And it further adds to the point that Ohio State, there is not a team in college football that has had a better offseason than Ohio State, which is mind-blowing because we just saw their biggest rival win the national championship a little less, little more than a month ago. Hello, welcome to Always College Football. Today is Monday, February 12th. We hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl. What a great game it was, man. I mean, Patrick Mahomes does Patrick Mahomes things, but you can find discussion about the Super Bowl anywhere. Today, we're diving into college football, and it was a pretty busy weekend for college football. Chip Kelly is now the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Bill O'Brien, formerly the offensive coordinator of Ohio State, now the head coach of Boston College. Alabama is looking for a new offensive coordinator and a new offensive line coach as well. And we have seen a head coach named at UCLA. We're going to hit all those topics, give you a kind of a takeaway or two. If there's one thing we've learned about the coaching carousel here in the last six, seven weeks, it never really stops anymore. <laughs> it's crazy to think that a head coach, a head coach of a power five school left to become a coordinator in the exact same conference. It's crazy, but I might be able to help you understand why these decisions are being made. We also are going to have some fun at the end of the show. Jack Foster, Mark Kubiak, and myself, we're going to go through and we are going to draft conferences. We've heard from all of you over the years, hey, here's how the conferences should be determined. Well, we're just going to go with snake draft and see who has the best conference. So we'll have some fun with that as well. So let's dive in. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in Los Angeles, what's going on in Columbus, and how that has really shaken up the college football world. We'll kick things off with a story that kind of shook up the college football world in a bunch of different ways. Because it was a sign of the times. It was reflective of how challenging it is to be a head coach. It's also reflective of how dominant Ohio State has become and how great of an offseason they've had in the last month and a half. To see a sitting Power 5 head coach in the Big Ten, or soon to be in the Big Ten, to see Chip Kelly leave UCLA as a head coach to become a coordinator in the exact same conference was mind-blowing for a lot of people, and it was for me too. I mean, I look at Chip Kelly, and I, first of all, I think he's a terrific coach. I know, look, some people think, well, hey, the, the bouts and inconsistencies that we saw from UCLA, and, and you know, maybe he's not quite as tenacious a recruiter as, as you would like, and maybe you know, it's, it's not, he's not really going to play the game. I, Maybe he's not going to be as involved with the NIL fundraising aspect of it. So, I mean, people can potentially shoot holes, but the guys won a bunch of games at UCLA. And the situation that he stepped into was not ideal. He went young and kind of rallied him up and has had some really good moments uh, over the course of his tenure. It has been met with some inconsistencies, but for the most part, I would label his tenure as the UCLA head coach as a pretty dang good success. Um but thinking about where we're at right now and, and seeing how many coaches are now moving from college football to the NFL, and this is not exclusive to what's gone on with Chip Kelly. This, this goes back to what we saw with Jeff Halfley when he left Boston College, a head coach in college football, in the Power Five, to leave that job to become a coordinator in the NFL was 
pretty eye-opening. And it led us to kind of go down the rabbit hole of, man, you know, this college football, I love it. You love it. The game days are amazing. The pageantry, the tradition, the passion that we have in our sport is second to none. But the lifestyle of the coach right now is very, very difficult. We've also seen it in the group of five, multiple times in the group of five, whether it was Sean Lewis leaving Kent State for Colorado. We've seen it uh, in the past with Dan Enos leaving Central Michigan for the coordinator job at Arkansas. We've seen it a couple times this year. Uh, Kane Womack was the head coach at South Alabama just a year removed from winning 10 games, and he has now become the defensive coordinator of Alabama. So we've seen it. Buffalo, Mo Linguist did the exact same thing. He's a co-defensive coordinator at Alabama. We've seen it now at other places. But I've never seen it. Never seen it so far to where a guy's leaving a Power 5 head coaching job to become a coordinator elsewhere. Now, I think it's a it's reflection of how hard it is to become a head coach and how hard it is to maintain the quality of the program over the course of time. And I look at where we're at right now and these coaches and and you talk to people that are in it. They're like, man, it's so hard right now to get guys to buy in. I have to re-recruit my roster every day and everything that I got into this profession to do, Every single thing that I, and look, I know they make a lot of money. I, I, I get that. And no one's, I'm not crying a river for, for any of these coaches. They're making generational wealth doing this job, but it is still a ridiculously challenging job right now. And partly because there are no rules and regulations, they can do very little as far as being able to uh, you know, manage the NIL aspect of it. And guys are basically holding out and the guys are entering the portal only to kind of leverage that against their own school. And I'm not saying the players shouldn't have freedom. I'm, I'm, coaches leave all the time. Players should have freedom. I'm, I'm totally supportive of it. But we have to also at the same time acknowledge just how difficult the head job has become and that so many of these guys got into the game because they love the challenge of preparing for Saturdays or Fridays or Thursdays or Tuesdays, whatever day they play. They love preparing and scheming their offensive or defensive plans to put their players in the best position to find success when they tee it up on game day. What they don't love doing is the administrative work that now comes with being a head coach. The most fun part of playing a video game is, yeah, it's fun to do the juke sticks and the spin moves and the, you know, the circle button, the X button. You're hurtling over guys. You're running people over with the hit stick. Yeah, that's all really fun. But what else is also really fun? Calling plays. Calling plays that work. Whether it's offensively or defensively, I think most people and most coaches thoroughly enjoy the game planning. They thoroughly enjoy the X's and the O's. They don't like the administrative side of being a head coach anymore. So to see Chip Kelly leave a head coaching job in the Big Ten for a coordinator job where he can focus on just putting those 11 players in the best position to be successful is pretty shocking. But also at the same time, it's really not that surprising when you think about what the job description is as a head coach in the Power Five. I can understand it too. I mean, the money is so big at the coordinator jobs now. I mean, you can make two and a half million dollars. We just saw it. Uh, at LSU, Blake Baker, two and a half million dollars to call plays and to manage his 11 guys on the defensive side of the football for LSU. That's going to be hard for group of five programs to pay. So if you're a coach like Kane Womack, yeah, the payday and the power five coordinator 
might be a little bit better. So that I get. But when you start seeing guys leaving Power 5 for other Power 5, it is eye-opening. It's really eye-opening. Now, what does this mean for UCLA? Well, UCLA is getting Deshaun Foster, which I, I, don't, I don't really know Deshaun Foster that well. They've been around him in passing some, but I think it made a lot of sense to go kind of in this direction. This was a, a kind of a devastating blow. And people will say, well, Chip Kelly, you know, he's a lame duck. He was going to be fired next year. Look at UCLA's schedule. Like, they're not going to win enough games for him to be retained. Fair enough. Maybe he got out in front of it. And the same might be said for Jeff Halfley at Boston College. Maybe he got out in front of it. Maybe he knew that they probably weren't going to be very good next year, so he decided to leave and, and to get out in front of it. And we'll talk about Boston College here in just a minute, what they did this past week in hiring Bill O'Brien. But I also think at the same time, man, it's, it's a crushing blow because... It gives off the impression that your school is a stepping stone. Whether it's true, untrue, however you feel, it gives off a, a negative impression. So going in-house to a guy that has had success as a player, that has walked those halls, he's going to be able to connect with those guys immediately. And he takes over a program, too, that's won eight games in three consecutive years. So it's not like he's stepping into a spot where the program's just in shambles. He's walking into a situation that's actually pretty good. And I think they actually might maybe not have momentum next year. But I do think there's reason to believe that UCLA can, can find some success in their tenure at the Big Ten. Partly because if you look at what UCLA's done at times, granted, we have not seen consistency from UCLA. But we've seen pockets of success, whether it was when Bob Toledo went to consecutive BCS bowl games in the late 90s whether it was when Carl Durrell won 10 games in 2005, uh, what Jim Mora did, 10 games in both 2013 and 2014, but then, of course, a couple years later, he goes 4-8, and eight and he's out the door. Chip Kelly did a pretty good job there as well. So I think UCLA is a place that you can win. So bringing in a guy that's going to be able to relate to the player, that's going to be able to get the players to buy in, and a guy that, after a very difficult situation from a perception standpoint, Having one of your own come back and lead the program forward, I think will rally those that support the UCLA football program. So I love the hire of Deshaun Foster. I, I hope he does well. I will certainly be pulling for him, no doubt about it. As far as how this affects Ohio State, when Bill O'Brien got the job as the offensive coordinator, I felt great about the hire. Because I think Bill O'Brien and people will look back at the time that he was at Alabama and they will nitpick and they'll say, well, he, you know, he, they didn't do this or they didn't do that or they came up short of expectations here. He did a pretty good job in developing Bryce Young. He did a pretty good job of bringing Bryce Young along. Did they at times maybe put a little too much on the quarterback's shoulders? Yeah, I, I think so. I think in a perfect world, things might have been a little more complimentary. But still, I think Bill O'Brien's going to do a good job at Boston College. That to me was an absolute slam dunk. He has roots in the area. His wife, Colleen, is an alumnus of BC. He's a guy that is very well respected in that part of the country. So I thought it was a no-brainer for him to become the next head coach of Boston College. But the fact that they were able, Ohio State, was able to go out and get Chip Kelly. And I think, too, think about that roster, right? Think about what they've built in the transfer portal in just the last couple years or last couple weeks. Quinshawn Judkins, Travion Henderson. What more do you need? And to think, too, that UCLA led the Pac-12 in rushing yards per game each of the last two seasons. And while, don't get me wrong, Zach Charbonnet, guys that 
that were there at UCLA, the offensive line, that was a really good, really good group when it came to running the football. But I'll tell you what, that one-two punch that Chip Kelly's going to have to play with there and the run schemes that he's going to be able to create around that offense and around that offensive line. Sure, the offensive line maybe have a few things they need to figure out between now and the beginning of the season, but I am really excited about seeing the blend with what Ryan Day's already created in the offensive identity that's been installed, meshing that with an innovator as far as run schemes for Chip Kelly. I think it is a tremendous, tremendous match. And it further adds to the point that Ohio State, there is not a team in college football that has had a better offseason than Ohio State, which is mind-blowing because we just saw their biggest rival win the national championship little less, little more than a month ago. So they've done an amazing job. Uh, other coordinator moves that have gone on. Ryan Grubb is going to be returning to Seattle, abandoning his post as the Alabama offensive coordinator to become the offensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks. And while talking to a lot of folks that follow Alabama, support Alabama, this felt like a devastating blow. It did. And I will admit, I thought that Ryan Grubb, and I said this, Washington had done a good job under Kalen DeBoer. I thought they might want to keep with the status quo. I thought Ryan Grubb would have been a great candidate. Now, they ultimately went with Jed Fish. It's all worked out. Jed Fish is going to do a great job there, no doubt about it. But I thought had Ryan Grubb gotten a longer look, he would have been a really good candidate to take over for Kalen DeBoer when he departed for Alabama. So when he was not given the job at Washington, I thought Alabama was playing with house money. It's like, hang on a second, man. You not just get a guy that's, you know, 104 and 12, but you get his right-hand man. You get Ryan Grubb, who has turned down many overtures in college football. He's had several, several head coaching opportunities that he has just not shown interest in. He has turned down other jobs in the past, most notably turning down Alabama's offensive coordinator last year because he felt such a loyalty to Kalen DeBoer and felt like last year for Washington was going to be really special. And he was right. And he did an amazing job. So I thought that when Kalen DeBoer got the Bama job, that's great. He's a great offensive mind. He's a guy that has called plays at a crazy high level, both at Fresno and at Indiana. And his brainchild is the offense that Ryan Grubb has definitely evolved and definitely tweaked and has put his own fingerprints on it. But this is Kalen's offense, and, and Grubb is just one of the masterminds that allows that offense to reach its peak. So when Ryan Grubb was going to be in Tuscaloosa, I was like, oh my goodness, I already thought Kalen DeBoer was a home run. But now you get Ryan Grubb, a guy that could be a head coach many other places, but he's decided to stay loyal to his best friend and Kalen DeBoer. That was massive. So him departing was a blow, no doubt about it. I do think, though, the Alabama coordinator job will be in good hands because there's already guys on Alabama's coaching staff that know this offense like the back of their hand. Most notably, Nick Sheridan, who was the offensive coordinator at Indiana when Kalen DeBoer left Indiana to become the head coach at Fresno State. So Nick Sheridan has now been with Kalen DeBoer for years, knows the offense really well, and has, and has called plays with success in the Power Five in the past. And then the other guy 
that I think a lot of people are very intrigued by is Jamarcus Shepard. He's the wide receiver coach right now, but did an amazing job with Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan and all those guys out there at Washington. I thought it was the best wide receiver core in the country last year. Well, maybe it's his turn now to step up and be given a play-calling role. So wherever it goes, if it stays in-house, I think there are plenty of guys on the staff for Alabama right now that won't be much of a drop-off from what Ryan Grubb would have been able to provide the offense, knowing that Kalen DeBoer is probably going to be pretty hands-on on that side of the ball. And then the wild card possibility would be Kirby Moore. Kirby Moore is the offensive coordinator currently at Missouri and did an amazing job with that group over the last 12 months. I mean, Kirby Moore has gone in. He's found ways to feature Luther Burden. He's done a good job of developing the quarterback play and improving the quarterback play and developing a mindset of complimentary football where they still want to run the football, but they still have aspects in the passing game that can create problems for the opposition as well. So wherever Alabama goes with the OC hire, I think they're going to be just fine. As long as Kalen DeBoer is still heavily involved in the play calling aspect of putting that offensive plan together. Okay, we thought this would be a fun exercise. With all the constant conversation, and we get a ton of emails from all you guys that have the perfect structure for how college football should be laid out, whether it's regionality within the sport, whether it's teams that feel like they're comparable culturally, like their passion for the sport is comparable. So we've seen all of you guys sending us emails for years now and saying, here's how it should be structured. Here, take this many teams in this division. This many te- This is the West Coast of it. All this other stuff, it's been awesome. Keep those coming because I think they're fascinating. I think everyone's got really good ideas. Everyone sees the sport a little differently. And I think it's valuable to understand, hey, here's what the fans would like to see from the sport. Even though not everybody sees it all the same, it's interesting to see how guys and how people prioritize this team over this team. Why this team over this team? Why this group, this region needs to be accommodating all to an, all in and of itself. So it's been really fun. So we decided for a fun exercise, we would draft teams and put together our own conferences. Now, we have not run through it. None of us know which direction we're going to go, but Kubiak and Jack are going to hop on today. And no, for those that have not seen them right next to each other, Jack is not Kubiak's son. Uh, So in case you were curious about that, let's just make sure that that that's established. Jack is a Tennessee guy. Kubiak's a Notre Dame guy. It could not be more the opposite. Jack, really cool. Kubiak, not so much. But it will be interesting when we're going down, because I know what my philosophy is going into this, and it could go completely out the wall based on who you guys pick, two, three, four, five, whatever. So let's have some fun, guys. Are you ready to draft some teams and put together some conferences? Let's do it. I am ready. We're doing the snake draft, right? Snake draft. So I will kick it off, and uh, this is going to be a controversial pick, but I feel like over the course of my lifetime, and granted, My lifetime is from 1988 to now. I have to go with the team that has been maybe not the biggest viewership all the time. Maybe there have been a year or two where they've been down. But I want every year my teams to be playing for the national championship or be in the mix of playing for a national championship. And albeit this team's in a bit of transition, I'm taking the team that's won 18 national championships. That would be Alabama. And Coobs, you're already going to sit here and say, 
well, you know, if they really won 18, the AP says otherwise, I don't care. They have 18 in my eyes, so I'm going with Alabama with the first pick. That's a great pick. That's, and I figured you were going to take Alabama. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's I, I, I don't think it was a difficult one to, to, no. to figure out, probably, right? No. All right, so it's <laughs> second pick. And I like this philosophy because the team I'm taking has actually only won one national championship in the last 20 years. But they're a big draw and a huge brand. So I'm going to take Texas. Ohio. Oh, wow. I yeah. thought you were well, going. I, heard, I thought you, you were going Buckeyes. I thought you like, were going Buckeyes. Well, uh-huh. I thought twenty years they won in fourteen and they won in t- two thousand two. So I thought that was a bit of a reveal. But no, I like it. Well done. Thank you. All yeah, right. Texas. Was, the Texas, Texas Longhorns are off the board. That's who I was going to go. Um, I'm going Ohio State three. I want a team in that area. I think Ohio State. You know, when you're forecasting the next. 10, 15 years, I think they're going to be up there with the best of them. They've crushed the NIL world. I think they'll continue to recruit at a high level. You may say, hey, is Ryan Day not the guy? I think we're really going to find out this year if he's the guy or not long-term for the Buckeyes. So I'm going to take Ohio State. And then at four, I'm taking Georgia. Uh, Kirby Smart, he's the best coach in college football right now. Give me that any day of the week. And I'm going to take in the Bulldogs along with the Buckeyes to start my conference. So this is where it starts to get a little hard for me. Because I think I know that McElroy probably wouldn't take him. But if you're talking TV draw, if you're talking numbers, there's only one team, good or bad, that you people will talk about. And I think that's everybody knows who I'm going to take here. Okay, It's an easy one for me. I'm going to take Notre Dame. Yeah. Not, not a shock at all. Uh, so all of our homerisms uh, are out the door already. Uh, I'm sure Jack, with his third yeah. pick, will be Tennessee. Uh, so we'll we'll go ahead and get that out of the way. Uh, you guys are are void of of some quality, and I thought for sure we're talking draw here. We're talking importance, and you guys just want to bail on rivalries, which is perfectly fine. Texas and Notre Dame. I'm sure there's a everyone's Notre Dame's rival, right, Coobs? Everyone. So. It's true. Yeah, you might as well just go ahead and say that Texas and Notre Dame are rivals, but you guys missed the opportunity. Jack, you had Ohio State there and Michigan there, and you could have taken them at three and four, and instead you go Georgia, which I respect, but I will take the Michigan Wolverines off your hands. Happy to do that. Uh, Bama and Michigan to start things off. Yep. Uh, I think last time I checked, the Rose Bowl did a pretty big number last we're, year. So We're projecting we're projecting down the road. It's not 2023. It's it's long term here. I'm playing the long. And I do game. love that Alabama Michigan rivalry. Yeah, well, I think that I think that one is is understandable. I, I get why you guys would would be trying to say that that's not a rivalry, but I don't think there's two teams that uh, that feel a level of superiority quite like Alabama and Michigan coupled closely with Notre Dame and Ohio State. So I'm going to go with two teams right there, Bama, Michigan, to start things off for me. At number three, it's a little bit trickier. That's where it starts to get a little bit more challenging. And part of me always believes in the regionality of the sport, right? Regionality to me is so, so, so important. I've already abandoned it with Bama and Michigan, but I have the Northeast covered, North, but Michigan's a national brand, as is Alabama. I have the Southeast covered. I'll go ahead and take the West Coast and take the USC Trojans with my third pick. And I think SC, granted, like I kind of started this conversation with, SC, there was a time in my life where I literally did not think SC was going to lose a game. 
mean, and when they lost to Texas in 05, my world shattered. You know, it was like, how did this happen? So uh, I will take SC because I believe the upside is there. And while they have struggled on defense at times in the last couple of years, I believe in the staff that Lincoln Riley has assembled this upcoming year and feel like they're going to be in a really good spot in the years to come. I also think USC probably would have been there in the eighth round, but that's just me. You know, I get it. They When they won, there was no other professional football in Los Angeles. So I'm just saying. Fair enough. Uh, I like uh, I like what you did there, and I like how you broke it down. You're going coast to coast. I'm going to take the same approach, um, and I think you need to get into the state of Florida. So I'm going to go with Florida State in here. I know – you know, they're wow. looking for a new conference anyway. So Florida State coming in with me in the Kubiak Conference. Texas, Notre Dame, Florida State, rolling. <laughs> I love the USC pick, Greg. That's who I wanted here. Um, I'm going LSU first. To me, that's a no-brainer. I think this is a steal. I think they'll be able to recruit at a high level for a long time, and they're going to be one of the top programs consistently for the next 10, 15 years. I'll take LSU. I want to go out west and – it's either out west or Florida here at this pick, but I'm going to go out west. I'm going to take Oregon. I think it's a little bit of a boring pick, but Oregon will be consistent. They'll be good. I have a you know stud team out west like you guys do, so I'll take Oregon. Wow. Okay, that was actually going to be my pick here, which was that's a good pick. I like that pick. Um, I do want a team out west too. Um, and for fear that they might go away. I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Washington yeah. out here. You know, a- now I have Florida, Texas. I got the Midwest. I got brands, and I'm all over the country. Like I said, I'm not worried about travel budgets. Yeah, clearly, uh, we're not worried about logistics at all on any of our teams so far. Uh, I love that you went Florida State a second ago. Obviously, a proud program, uh, a program that's had a ton of success, but not the biggest brand in the state. The Florida Gators are who I'm going to go with. At pick number four for me, Florida is a massive brand, massive, gigantic school, uh, tremendous in many sports. Of course, we're focused exclusively on football in this particular case. And I know while Florida has not been great the last couple of years, Florida at their best can go with pretty much anybody. So I'm going to take the Florida Gators here to pair with Alabama as the lone entrance there in the the southeastern part of the United States. I'm going to surprise you with the next pick, though, and it might be a little bit... It's partly because i got to play defense a little bit, and I don't want Kubiak to get the Red River rivalry in his conference. So I'm going to have to stretch just a hair and take the Oklahoma Sooners because if he were to be able to get Oklahoma and he can have Texas and Oklahoma and Notre Dame, that's just a little bit too too rich for my blood. So I'm going to take the Oklahoma Sooners, another team that traditionally has won a ton of games, been in a bunch of championship environments. So I will take Oklahoma here with my fifth overall pick. That's a very good pick because I actually was looking at that and I'm like, oh boy, I can get them in there. That'd be sneaky. <laughs> so uh, fifth pick, I mean, Jack, I'm sorry, but I got to be a company guy. You know, I'm going to Omaha Productions. I'm taking Tennessee. I need it like the, you know, the old school, rabid fan base success. Give me the balls. Plus, you get the battle of UTs now between Texas and Tennessee. Yeah. So that works. Who's the real UT? It's branding. See? <laughs> Man, that, that's tough. 
That's tough. You know I was thinking Tennessee there. Uh, I'm going to have to pivot. All right. I think it gets a little trickier here. Uh, I feel like we got some of the bigger SEC brands, Texas, the big teams out west. But I'm going to take the last big team in Florida, and that is Miami, just so I can have a footprint there. And then after that, I'm debating on a couple. I think I can wait a little bit for the one I have in mind. So right now I'm going to take Penn State. Mm, Good one. Way too long for Penn State to still be around. I know, look, they've been number three in a three-horse race in the Big Ten East, but I don't think anybody is going to be more benefited by getting rid of divisions in the Big Ten than Penn State. They've just been in a tough spot. Look, we all know the greatness of Ohio State and Michigan. Penn State's been the solid three for a very long time. So for them to still be on the board this deep in the draft is pretty surprising. So that's a good pick. Yeah, I like that pick. Boy, so moving on here, now I'm looking at it, and everybody keeps talking about wanting to get into the North Carolina market. They haven't had great success on a national level, but I think it's important. So I'm going to actually take the North Carolina Tar Heels right here. I don't hate that pick at all. Uh, It's shocking to me that you're looking still – like it's 2012 and you care about eyeballs and, and footprint and how many markets you're going to get. No, no, no. I care about <laughs> recruiting. And if I look at the markets I have, North Carolina, Florida, Texas, you know, it's a big, you got to get those guys to stay home. So North Carolina, and I'm taking them over Clemson. How about that? Yeah, this is a, such a runaway for me. It's not even close. I feel bad about it. Uh, my next two picks are going to be good because I'm going to preserve one of the biggest rivalries in the sport. So I will take the Auburn Tigers. I have the Iron Bowl in my conference. Best of luck to you guys. Uh, And I was able to wedge Oklahoma in there as well to avoid you getting the Red River rivalry. So I will take Auburn there with this upcoming pick. And then I'm going to take the Clemson Tigers. Now, I know Clemson, uh, there were pockets of success over a 30-year period, but not necessarily up to the standard that we saw in the late 2010s. They were among, whether you think they were number one, number two, number three, however you rank them, they would be a top five program in the last decade in college football. So I will, without question, take Clemson off your hands. You can have the footprint. I will take the titles and the Clemson Tigers now will join my conference. And I think I'm starting to run away with this thing, guys. I don't know. You better pick it up a little bit. That was a good pick. I mean, I liked Auburn. I knew you were going to take Auburn. I thought they'd still be there. So that was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> I had, to, I had to preserve the rivalry. If I were to put together a conference and not have the Iron Bowl, like, who am I? Like, oh, I thought on. I was actually, I thought about Auburn over North Carolina. I was like, nah, because I bet you he takes two other teams there and then I'll take Auburn on the back end. So <laughs> Auburn, kudos Auburn was- to you on the good pick. Team I had in mind to pair with Georgia. That's who I was wanting. Yeah. Speaking of rivalries, they've had zero success, but it's a big brand. And it used to be a great rivalry. So I'm dipping back into Texas and I'm going to go with Texas A&M. Mm, good pick. So Texas and Texas A&M. I got that going for me. Yeah, that's a good pick. Man, I feel like getting... I'm throwing Jack off here on each pick I'm making. <laughs> Jack is, Jack is was... totally scrambling right now. No doubt about it. Jack Auburn is scrambling. <laughs> I was lockstep Auburn or A&M there. And, yeah, I've, I've had to pivot twice in a row now. Now I'm just stalling so I can make up my mind. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with 
Wisconsin, and it has, I mean, it doesn't have a lot to do with my conference here. It just gets me a little more north, and it gets me Luke Fickle, who I'm huge on. And I think, you know, year one was a little rocky, but I think I have one of the best coaches in college football in Luke Fickle in my conference. So I'll take the Badgers, big fan base too. So I like that about it. My next pick, I wanted an SEC team here on the swing, but it's hard to really take any of these. You think I'll miss, but is Lane going to be around for a while? It's tough. You're taking Vanderbilt? I'll take Nebraska. <laughs> I'll take another Big Ten team. I'll Ooh, take Nebraska. Dang it. I another was hoping that they would slip through. I was, I was actually, hoping that was going to be my pick. I, I was hoping. <laughs> oh. Two Big Ten teams, not sexy, but I think it'll get the job done. Why not? I, I like that pick. You know, as I'm looking at it now, and now you're starting to get into, okay, what do you want to have for your, you know, to go against? I really wanted a, a team up north to join Notre Dame, and I was like, nobody's going to take – he's not going to take two teams, Nebraska and Wisconsin, but you did. So um, I, I'm going to – I don't know if I like this pick, but oh, gosh, I can't. I can't. I was going to do it, but I'll do it. I'm going to take Michigan State. Hmm. Not bad. It's a brand. They, the you know, they can get up Michigan there. State, it's, so. It has an old rivalry with Notre Dame, and as we know, everybody's a rival with Notre Dame. So you bring back that little bit. You have, you know, a kind of a close proximity game. I can get on board with that one for sure. I don't have any problems there with. Try. I was hoping that, that Michigan State and Nebraska could sneak through. Those would have been the next two picks because I already have Oklahoma. I could recreate Oklahoma-Nebraska rivalry. I could get Michigan State to pair with Michigan. We'd be in really good shape there. Unfortunately, you guys allowed cooler heads to prevail, so I am left scrambling here trying right. to find some capable you got, replacements. You got a no-brainer here. Come on. You got a no-brainer. No-brainer. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say no-brainer. Uh I have two in mind in order to recreate some rivalries, but I don't love it. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go to Stillwater, Oklahoma to make sure that Bedlam is preserved because I love rivalries and Oklahoma, Oklahoma state is one of my favorites. So to have that one still intact under the umbrella of my conference is something I'm very excited about. And then the other one, I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to take the UCLA Bruins. Uh, we've talked about them already on the show today. I already have USC in the conference. I'm going to keep them out west, a little bit more manageable from a travel standpoint. So now I have two programs way out there on the West Coast that will play a rivalry game every year in home jerseys. And that's one of the best looking games of the year, especially when they play it in the Rose Bowl. I like that. OK State and UCLA. Good, good picks. I feel I'm going to take a flyer on this one. Um, it's almost a little mini guess this team in here because they've won a national championship, but they have been irrelevant for so long until this year. And I don't know if he's going to be there, but there's a changing of the conferences, what they're going through now, maybe building something. I need a team a little bit west of the Mississippi. Oh, gosh, I don't even like the pick. I can't even cut myself to say it. <laughs> but I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to go with Colorado. Oh, wow. Riding, riding the prime train. Going I like it. Beyond. I mean, this is, you got to remember back in the day, you know, Colorado in the 90s was really good. They were good. They were great. 
You know, and I don't think you would have taken Colorado, Nebraska, but that would have been a good rivalry for you to have, Jack. So I had to avoid <laughs> that too. All right, I'm gonna try and manifest some rivalries with these picks. I'm gonna look into <laughs> the future since. I don't have any pre-existing rivalries. It looks like it's going to be in my conference. We're just going to have to make them happen. So with these two picks, I'm going UCF and a little unpopular, but I like their trajectory. I like Malzahn, and it gives me another Florida team with Miami. So let's manifest a rivalry there. And then I'm going to go, you know, a little bit of a company pick, but I'm going to go Ole Miss, Eli's former stomping grounds. I like Lane. You know, we'll see how long he's there. But as of right now, they're a top-five team in the SEC, so I'll take them with this pick. And you get a rival with LSU, too, so that's, that's yeah, a good rivalry yeah, built in. Ole Miss, LSU. Ole Miss, Miss, LSU, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Oh, now we're getting into the, okay, where do you want to go? You know, and this team has been pretty good. And I, I get a one rivalry keeping with it. I lock up an entire state. And I, I'm just going to take – I'm going to go NC State. Not bad. I'm going to take NC State here. I got North Carolina. I got NC State. I got no problem with that at all. NC State, there's no love lost between them and North Carolina. So that will be uh, a bitter one for sure. I can't believe you guys are leaving this team on the table. They've been one of the most consistent winners, and albeit their offense at times is a somewhat challenging watch. Uh, The Iowa Hawkeyes have been to several, several Big Ten title games. They have consistently been in the mix in January 1 bowl games, and they have developed a terrific brand over the years, and they are one of those teams that you do not want to play. (laughs) They are a difficult team to play against, so I will take Iowa And I will pair them. Uh, I want to take Iowa State. I'm going to resist the urge. I'm going to resist the urge to take the Cyclones here, even though I'd love to have another rivalry under our umbrella. I think I need to get a little bit west, and I want to get to Utah. I'm going to take the Utah Utes as a team that has won a ton of games, ton of respect for Kyle Whittingham, one of my favorite programs to watch and cover. I just love the way they do it. They've been steady. They've been consistent. And they're a team that I think when they move into the Big 12 might be as well positioned as anybody. I know these are different conferences and we're doing ours, but that's a team I want to bet on because they understand how to marry the culture with the success that comes when the culture is well established. That was a very good pick. I was really looking at Utah and like, wow, I can't believe they're still back out there. They're always in the hunt. Mm. All right. So at this stage... We got, you got two pick. We each got two picks left, right? That's right. Uh, yeah. Greg has one left. Greg has one. Yep. He's got his last pick, so we'd have to make sure with, that we <laughs> take all the teams that he wants or is thinking about. Um, and you took OK State. They're off the board. You're looking at this, and they were just in the national championship two years, you know, two years ago. They have gone through and went from a Mountain West program and climbed every conference out there. They're in one of the biggest markets in the country. I'm, I'm going to take TCU. I'm going to go with the Horn Frogs here. I'm going to have it built in. I just I like taking Texas. I own Texas. My conference owns it. We're everywhere. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Okay. I'm going to take... Two teams. One, I'm going to lock up a rivalry that everyone loves watching on Thanksgiving. 
And then in the other one, I'm going to take a team that's had good history, you know, had a great bounce back season last year. They were really good when Clemson was dominating. They were always that next tier below them in the ACC. I'm going to go Virginia Tech along with Mississippi State to close out my conference. I like the Virginia Tech. That's a fun pick. Can they get good again with a new head coach? They're close. They're close. They're very close. A lot of improvements. I think of my last one. What's that? So the last pick, what do you got? Last pick. They're kind of an up-and-comer. They made the ACC championship game last year. They got a bright future. They've had a Heisman winner. I'm taking Louisville right here. There's a lot of teams left on the board, but Louisville is my last pick. I like Louisville. That's that's a good program, good coach, uh, a program that's going to be steady. I got the sense already that there's a lot of – that Jeff Brom knows how to put a team together in today's day and age. So you're, I, I am totally supportive of a pick like that. I like it. This one's very tough, and I'm between two schools. To me, I really want Arkansas. Really, really want Arkansas. But am I better off going Arkansas here or adding another rival? Because I have the opportunity for Iowa State, and I also have the opportunity for BYU. And if I get BYU, that means I have Utah and BYU in the Holy War. Got that taken care of. You got USC and UCLA already. I got Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn. So a lot of things to really like about the conference. I got Bedlam with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So I like where we're at a lot. But I'm struggling here in the final pick. So I'm going to go with a team that I have seen play at a really high level. Uh, They have won a national championship, but it's been quite a while. I will take the Arkansas Razorbacks because I think I can take Arkansas and create some rivalries between Arkansas and Iowa. I think I can get a rivalry between Arkansas and Oklahoma. I can get a rivalry between Arkansas and Oklahoma State. So I will take Arkansas on the high side, and the Razorbacks will be my final pick. So a good exercise here. I think I took the cake here. We'll have to vote on this. Everybody's going to have to vote Automatically, you take the cake? I mean... We'll I like my chances. I, I, you know, I think I can make a, a capable argument that, that my conference is vastly superior. I think you guys could probably make a similar argument. But we'll size them up like this. I have Alabama, Michigan, USC, Florida, Oklahoma, Auburn, Clemson, Oklahoma State, and then UCLA, Iowa, Utah, and Arkansas. Kubiak, Texas, Notre Dame, Florida State, Washington, Tennessee, North Carolina, Texas A&M, and Michigan State followed by Colorado, NC State, TCU, and Louisville. And then Jack, in there, our young buck here at 23 years old, clearly showing his youth, even though he did go and get himself a Nebraska pick, which I'm very proud of. He's got Ohio State, Georgia, LSU. A lot of recency bias there. Oregon, ton of recency bias. Miami, ton of recency bias. Uh, then you get hold Penn on. State. Who Miami? Is, hold who, on, Miami. There's no Miami wasn't even good when he was born. Well, like, that's fair. Born. But they were really good him. though, right before he was born. So maybe it, you know, maybe he was born around a championship uh, involving the Hurricanes. I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure when his birthday was, but Miami, I think, is a good pick. They do feel like they're on the upswing too. It feels like they're coming back and they're going to be a problem for everybody here in the years to come. You got Penn State, Wisconsin, Nebraska. UCF, Ole Miss, Virginia Tech, and Mississippi State there to round things out in the Egg Bowl. So I think a really, really solid collection of teams, but I think we all kind of figured this out. There is no magic formula 
to kind of putting this thing together. So regionally, it probably makes the most sense, but I don't think we're going there. I think we're going to get to the point where it feels a little like the NFL and you have 40 to 50 teams that are just playing at a higher level with more contributions and more support that will ultimately pull away. When will they do it? I don't know, but it'd be fun if we've all took turns and we got to run our own conferences and, and go through the way we just did and trying to put this thing together. Wait, is there anybody right. that surprises you that we didn't pick? Like yeah, I'm looking at it, you're like, oh wow, Kansas tough. State, they've been really good. Uh, Houston, a huge market. You know, uh, South, South Carolina, Carolina, Kentucky. You know, what which one stands out as a surprise to you, McElroy? I think probably the biggest is that both Arizona schools were omitted. I thought with Arizona State's size and and that market, with even what they've done in Tucson in the last 12 months, I thought there would at least be one, maybe two Arizona schools taken in the top 36. But another program that I was really surprised and I almost took them uh, would be West Virginia and Pitt. Two other programs that have a real proud history. Obviously, the, the reason why I pair those two together because I called that game last year and I realized just how hostile the backyard brawl is. But Pitt's won national championships. West Virginia's been really good. In 2007, they might have been the best team in the country, but of course lost to Pitt there in the last game of the regular season to keep them out of the BCS title game. So uh, those were two that I also gave a lot of consideration, but just couldn't quite find a spot because I felt like they needed to be together. Like I wanted them, even though they're not even in the same conference, Big 12 and ACC with West Virginia and Pitt respectively, those two feel like they're married. They feel like they need to be together if we were going to put them in a conference together. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football. Continue to ask all of you to like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your show. You can also follow the show on social media, Always CFB, on both Instagram and on Twitter. Vote on our Twitter page who you think has the best conference between Kubiak, Foster, and myself. So look forward to seeing the results of that. If we win, we'll discuss. Uh, if I win, we'll definitely discuss it on Thursday. Uh, if one of the other two wins, then we'll probably just erase this segment and somehow find a way to delete it. But either way, it's been terrific to be with you guys. Thank you again for being here. As always, like, rate, subscribe. We'll see you guys on Thursday. And remember, it's always college football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.